Alrighty. So, again, Easter Sunday, Resurrection Sunday. The focus of the modern church of today's Christianity is very much on the cross. Amen? It's very much the message of the cross. And that's perfectly fine. In the New Testament church, they were much more impressed with the resurrection. The cross, people died on crosses all the time. That was really not that big of a deal. And they didn't fully understand the sacrificial nature of it and the redemptive nature of it. But they did understand that this guy that was murdered on the cross became alive again. And that spoke to them in powerful ways. The resurrection was something that made the difference for them. They saw the risen Christ and they understood that this was something very, very important. And I am with the New Testament church people. I understand, you know, the necessity of the cross. We must, we must focus on the cross, but we must focus more on the resurrection. We must focus more on the fact that we can share in Christ's resurrection. I am thankful that I'm forgiven. I am thankful that my sins are washed by the blood of Christ. But I should not constantly be thinking about how terrible I am and how sinful I am and how in need of being forgiven I am. That's a moment in time that I need to get through and then start living in the resurrection. Not living in the cross, that gets us to living in the resurrection. Amen? Amen. You can get joy on that side of it. Today, we're going to do some theology, and then we're going to talk about Peter. I may sing you a song. Who knows? It's possible. I know Mike is going to sing a song at the end, Mike Beach, and so we got we may have ourselves a musical extravaganza, which is uh, unusual here at Good Hope. We normally do all the singing at the beginning. But hey, Resurrection Sunday, we can pull out the stops and have a little more music, amen? Amen. We'll see what happens, where we end up. I'm never quite sure how it's going to go. So, let's do a little theology, and then will get relational. I, I'm not an overly emotional person. I'm not an overly relational person. I can go a long time without seeing another human being and not really notice. You, you know what I mean? Like some people are like that. Some people, if they're by themselves for eight minutes, they're, they're having a meltdown because they're, I'm alone! You know, like, I, it takes me a long time to realize there aren't other people around. You know, I'm just, I'm comfortable alone. I like that. However, the Lord Jesus Christ is about relationship. And so we need to understand what is our relationship with Him? Where are we at with that? In fact, my relational skills are so minimal. When me and Trinette got married at first, she was always talking about our marriage. Anybody got a wife that talks about your marriage? You know, and I'm like... I'm here, you're here, what's this third thing you're talking about? You know, what is that? There, there isn't that thing, there's you and me. What is this thing you're talking about? This marriage, you know? 
And then I realized, okay, it's how we interact with one another. It's the relational dynamic that she's talking about. But it took me a while to figure that out. I didn't know that. So that's how relational I am, uh, naturally. But the living God wants to have a relationship with you. And so we need to learn some relationship skills to be able to live in that new life, that resurrection life with Christ. But we're going to start with theology. What do you think? Is that exciting? Come on! Alright! That is much better than I was expecting. Just trying to... Alright. There is an obvious prerequisite to resurrection. What is the obvious prerequisite to resurrection? What has to happen first before there is resurrection? The obvious prerequisite to resurrection is death. There must be death for there to be resurrection. If there isn't death, there isn't resurrection. It is the restoring to life, the bringing back to life, the coming back from the dead. That is resurrection and it requires death. Jesus had to die in order to rise. One of the amazing things about the resurrection is that Jesus rose from the dead, He conquered death, but He also invites us in on the resurrection as well. Back then, they were, they were very familiar with death. Um, I mean, they didn't go to McDonald's and get a hamburger. They took an animal and killed it. And then they ate it. They, everybody knew how that all worked. <laughs> there, it, it, wasn't, uh, it wasn't hidden to anyone. There was a lot of death. Um, there were sacrifices at the temple. There was death there. Uh, the medical care, of course, was not good. And there was a lot of death that just happened. Plus, they were living in a political environment where if you said something people didn't like, you could be killed for that. It was just death all over the place. Lots of death. The thing that impressed them was resurrection, was conquering death, was overcoming death, and the promise that you could get in on that too. When they saw death conquered and that they had an in to be associated with and connected with the power of the resurrection, they were highly motivated. They wanted to know, how do I get connected with the power of the resurrection? It's amazing to me that Seems like Christians are bored with that. Is that true? You can't be bored with eternal life, can you? <laughs> I mean, my goodness. Either people are assuming it's just a cultural mythology that gives us something to say at funerals, or they shouldn't be bored with it. Because this is amazing. We can live forever. We can conquer death. Death does not have mastery over us. That's an amazing thing. Amen? That's really something. That's why it made such an impression back then. Jesus rose from the dead. And the promise is, we can too. Now, the prerequisite to resurrection is death. Let's look at what Jesus says in Mark 8.35. He says this uh, basically in six different places in the Gospel. Uh, said in different ways, but we're going to look at Mark 8.35. And Jesus says this, 
For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. Have you ever wanted to save your life? Sure. What does Jesus say? (laughs) That's a strange thing. If you want to save your life, you will lose it. But whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. Whoever loses his life for me and for the gospel will save it. There is a prerequisite for resurrection, and it is laying your life down. The Apostle Paul writes in Philippians 3.10 and 11, basically the same concept. And I want you to feel his heart as we read these two verses. I want you to just experience it with him. Think of what Paul means and what he's feeling when he says this. I want to know Christ and the power of His resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in His sufferings, becoming becoming like Him in His death, and so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead. There's a number of interesting things in, in these two verses. Paul wants to know Christ. He had a vision on the road to Damascus. He was used in prophetic ways. He knew Christ. He wanted to know Christ more. He was, he knew there was more to that relationship. He wanted to know everything. He wanted to be completely connected. He wanted to know Christ and the power of His resurrection. He wanted to connect in with that. And, what did He want to fellowship in? The sufferings of Christ. Have you ever gone through something with somebody? Like, together you walked through a difficult thing? I think the best example is is people who go to war together. Develop a connection that I don't think you can get. In Certainly you can't get in normal life. I don't know if you can get that any other way. Well, you've gone through these things together. And there is a connection that occurs. There is a bond that's there that is just powerful and strong. There's a fellowship. Here, Paul says that he wants the fellowship of sharing in Christ's sufferings, becoming like Him in His death, understanding the prerequisite, and so, somehow... I looked that somehow up in the Greek, and basically it means however that works. Whatever the deal is with that. Paul didn't fully understand how this all works, but he's like, man, God has opened the door for me to somehow attain to the resurrection from the dead. He was quite impressed with that. He was pretty excited with that. But first was the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings. Let's talk about three types of suffering. Let's say, using the marriage examples again, let's say I say something mean to my wife that's hurtful and completely unnecessary, and then I suffer having a bad marriage. Is that the fellowship of sharing in Christ's sufferings? No. That's me suffering from my own foolishness. 
I have caused myself to suffer. So that is suffering for my own sins. What is the proper response for a person who is suffering for their own sins? Simple, repent. Exactly. We've got three types of suffering. The answers all start with R. So, so this will work out real good. So if you're suffering for your own sin, repent. That means, you know, say you're sorry for your sins, but then change the way you do things. Not just, I'm sorry, uh, you know, I shouldn't have said that. Uh, please don't be mad at me anymore. And I'm going to continue to say mean things to you. That's not repenting. That's just trying to ease the relationship. Repentance is, okay, and now I'm going to do this differently. I'm going to live a different life now. I'm not going to continue to hurt this situation. I'm going to live differently. That's repentance. Then, we suffer the uh, the basic issues of life, right? Like, uh, this is a cursed world. There's tough stuff that goes on here. There's the aging process. Um, I'm 45 now. Don't I seem young for 45? If I let my hair grow, you'd be like, that dude's old. But now, I can't, I can't, my eyeballs don't work right. They, I used to be able to see real well. Now everything's fuzzy. What's the deal with that? Um, you know, this is a cursed earth. It's subject to decay. Bad things happen here. There's sin all over the place. There's just harsh, rough stuff that happens. Um, is, having to deal with needing glasses to read, sharing in Christ's sufferings. Now, that's a different type of suffering, isn't it? That's just suffering because this is a fallen world and bad things happen here. What do we do when we see that type of suffering? Well, we resist it. We battle against it. We're going to pray, we're going to go to the doctor, we're going to get glasses, whatever you need to do. Resist it. We resist together. And by the way, I'm firmly convinced we are to resist on all fronts. It is not a lack of faith to go to the doctor. Pray, go to the... I mean, eat right, get your sleep, get your exercise, go to the doctor and pray. Amen? All fronts. Praying isn't an excuse to not take care of yourself. And then blame God because you've got the normal outcome that not taking care of yourself brings. So that's just because it's a cursed world, we resist that. Then there's suffering in service to our Lord. When we actually get to engage in the battle between heaven and hell where we get to go toe-to-toe with the enemy, deliver some blows, and take some blows. That is this type of suffering. And what happens when we suffer in that way? We rejoice. The Bible says to rejoice. We are to be excited. And the main reason you should be excited about that is because most believers don't get that far. All their suffering is for their own sin or because this world is messed up. And they don't get into the battle. They don't get into the fight. They're not there on the front lines of the battle between heaven and hell. They're just going through their life trying to get answers for how come they're messing up their own existence. And they haven't gotten to the fight yet. They're not fighting the good fight. We want to get there. We want to get into that place where we're engaging the battle 
between heaven and hell. And when we get there, we can rejoice and we are sharing in the fellowship of Christ's sufferings. He fought that battle. He didn't suffer for his own sins. There's not even any record of him being sick or anything like that, like what we go through, just fighting the cursed world. But he did fight the cursed world in that there was a lot of sin that became pointed in his direction. But he went up against the enemy. He did battle. And that's what Paul wanted to do. All right. So, the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, laying our life down, being crucified with Christ, that we can attain to the resurrection of the dead. Do you like the Bible in context? There you go. Bible in context. Are you ready? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be mean to you. My wife is always like, you better warn them if you're going to do something mean. Okay, let's see if you can finish this verse. We are co-heirs with... Well, I want you to finish the verse. I mean, let's do the rest of the sentence. You know what I mean? Like, let's, let's, that's, that's one word, but the sentence continues. But we only get taught the first part, right? What does it actually say? Let's take a peek. That wasn't that mean, was it? It's like a little iffy. They're like, yeah, that was mean. All right, here you go. Romans 8, 16 and 17. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ, if indeed we share in His sufferings in order that we may also share in His glory. There is a prerequisite to resurrection, and that is death. When we give our lives to Christ, it is what's symbolized in baptism, the death of the old and the resurrection of the new. Saying, yes, I will share in your sufferings because I know I can share in your glory. You want to know the journey is changed by how you see the destination. If you're going somewhere in the car and it's 60 degrees and the sun is shining and your air conditioner doesn't work, so it's now 80 degrees in the car and the kids are getting fussy and they're poking each other and and all of a sudden the ride gets to be difficult, If you know where you're going, you can still be excited about getting there. Our journey can be tough when we share in His sufferings. But we need to know where we're going and that we are also going to share in His glory. That the prerequisite for resurrection is death. Amen? Come on. Let's get relational. Let's get relational. Let's, let's get past Pastor Mike and his cranking out stuff. Let's get relational. Again, you have a relationship with Jesus. It could be good. could be bad. I don't really know everybody's relationship with Jesus, but we're going to try to find out where you are by looking at the life of Peter. He had quite 
a relationship with Jesus and it was different from time to time. It, it changed. There were times it was going great. There were times it was not going great. Really, really amazing. But before we get there, let me ask you some questions. Have you ever had somebody do something really cool for you? Like something really neat. A valuable thing. A, something kind. Something meaningful. Somebody done something like that for you. Has anybody ever done that and it was a big deal for them? Like, you know, I know people that have given other people a kidney. Now, that's a really cool thing, but it's sacrificial on the person who's giving the kidney. Have you ever had somebody give you something just powerful and it was sacrificial on their part? Now, have you ever given something to somebody, something meaningful, something powerful, that was a big stretch, that was felt like more than what you could give? Now, have you ever done that and they didn't care? They didn't respond. They took it for granted. They didn't think it mattered. Turn that back around one more time. Has anyone ever done anything for you? Powerfully meaningful. Amazingly sacrificial. But you just kind of missed it. Didn't notice it. Didn't really care. Just went on with your life. You have a relationship with Jesus. He loves you and He's done something for you that's amazing and was very sacrificial. How are you going to respond to that? Peter was a fisherman. He met Jesus when Jesus was teaching the crowds and it was too much of a crowd so he needed to get into a boat in order to teach the people and he borrowed Peter's boat. Peter had been fishing all night and then Jesus wants to borrow the boat during the day, so Peter hangs out and listens to Jesus speak. And then a big miracle happens and Peter realizes this is an amazing person. There's something about this guy. He is not like the rest of us. And this is how Peter responds when he first understands who Jesus is, but he's not a follower of Christ yet. Let's go to uh, Luke 5.8. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus' knees and said, Go away from me, Lord. I am a sinful man. Peter was in the presence of someone he knew was great. And his response was, I don't belong here. I shouldn't be here. Me and Jesus can't be next to each other because He's this type of person and I'm not. That was His response. That can characterize the relationship people have with Christ because they look inside and they think to themselves, I can't approach God. Look who I am. Look what's in here. That's one period of time 
of Peter's relationship with Jesus. But then Jesus didn't say, okay, I'll take off. We'll see ya. He said, no, I'll tell you what. You come and follow me. And Peter said, okay. He left his business. You know, he got rid of his stuff, uh, his fishing business, and he went and he followed Jesus. He went with him. And Jesus taught him things along the way. And some amazing things happened. Peter walked on water. Did you know that? Jesus walked on water, but so did Peter. Peter saw Jesus walking on water and he's like, hey, can I come out? And he's like, sure. So Peter comes out and he's walking for a while and then he starts to sink. So he's the only one I know of who walked on water and then sank. Uh, but Peter walked on the water and Peter sank and Jesus rescued him. Peter, his name was Simon, he was renamed Peter, which means rock. Peter means rock. Because Peter, when Jesus asked him, who do you say I am? He said, you are the Christ. You are the Son of the living God. And he said, you're no longer Simon. You are Peter. You are rock. And upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. How would that be to hear from Jesus? Not too far after that though, Jesus and Peter are talking and Peter says something to which Jesus responds, Get behind me, Satan. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of man. That would not be as much fun to hear from the Christ. Peter walked with Jesus. He learned how to heal. He learned how to cast out demons. Didn't always work out that great. Sometimes it didn't work. He got better at it. Peter saw many, many miracles. He even saw Jesus transfigured and talking to Moses and Elijah. Peter saw all of those things. Peter had his feet washed by Jesus. On the day that Jesus was betrayed, Peter said he would die with Jesus. He said, this is, if this is going to happen, I will die with you. I'll go to prison. I'll go to death. I believe he fully intended to. Because when the soldiers came, do you remember what Peter did? The soldiers came and they're wearing those hats you know, with the big fan thing. And why they don't cover the ears, I don't know. But Peter goes, whack! And he smacks this guy in the head with a sword and cuts his ear right off. He's trying to kill him. He's ready to go to war. He's ready to die in battle for Christ. But that's not the type of death that Jesus was talking about that is the prerequisite for resurrection. And so he told Peter, no, 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 not this way. You, you put that sword away. I meant that so that you could escape. <laughs> I didn't mean that so that you could take over and kill these people. We're not going to kill anybody. And so then Peter doesn't know what to do. He's like, had my sword. The bad guys were there. It was all very clear. I knew what to do. He told me not to. I don't know what to do now. 
He was lost. He didn't know how to give his life to Christ in the way that Jesus wanted him to. He was ready to go to battle. He's ready to start killing people. But he didn't know how to give his life to Christ the way Jesus wanted him to. Everything went crazy. Peter was shaken and confused. And then people started asking him, are you with Jesus? And he said, no. <laughs> I am not with him. And then somebody else asked him, you, you had to be with him. He's like, no. He, have you ever been off your game? Something didn't happen the way you wanted it to? And you got confused about the situation. All of a sudden now you're doing stuff you never thought you'd ever do? Third time. You're a Galilean. You're with him. You gotta be with him. It's like, I don't even know who he is. He started calling down curses on himself, proclaiming that he had no connection with Jesus. Just, I believe it was yesterday, Jesus washed his feet. Peter let Jesus down in a big way. He failed Jesus before several times, but always still doing his best. This time, when Peter denied Christ, he knew he was not doing his best. This was a roller coaster relationship between Peter and Jesus. Now, I don't know where you're at with your relationship with Jesus. Maybe you don't know him and you don't care. Did somebody drag you to church? It can happen. That'd be like Peter before that miracle when he let Jesus borrow his boat. Maybe you're afraid like Peter and just want to get away from Jesus. Maybe you failed Him and you're ashamed. I hope you and Jesus are doing great, but if you're not, the good news is that He is your Redeemer. Jesus conquered death so you could have life and life more abundantly. Again, the prayer team will be up here. Uh, as I dismiss everyone, you can come down for personal prayer and receive that, uh, receive prayer for whatever need you may have. But let's just pray together and honor the Lord. Heavenly Father, we just give you praise. We worship you. We thank you what you've done for us. Oh Lord, and, and help us not to take for granted your grace and mercy, the love that you showered upon us. Oh Lord, the resurrection life that we can walk in, that life abundantly. Help us to, to be able to walk that out. To live it day by day. Oh Lord, I just speak a blessing over each one that's in this place. Let your light shine in our hearts. Let it overflow into our world. So bless us, encourage us, and give us strength. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. You're dismissed. You come down for prayer. If you're heading out, say hi to somebody you don't know and encourage them in the Lord.